Hello and welcome. I'm Steve Murphy, a trust and estates attorney with McGuire Woods LLP. And this is Once Removed, my podcast on estate planning, trusts, property, taxes, family, legacy, and everything else on my mind and everything else on my clients' minds. In this episode, we'll explore the mechanics of transferring property during life and upon death. In estate planning, a lot of clients are focused on avoiding probate. They focus on that word probate. They think of probate as a four letter word. They wanna avoid it at all costs. But I'm not sure they're focused on the right issue. Rather, like we always do here at Once Removed, we're gonna take a step back. We're gonna remind ourselves of the overall goal and then we're gonna think about how to get there. And as we'll see, part of that might include avoiding probate. The real goal is to pass assets the way you intend and as simply and efficiently as possible. And avoiding probate can be one means of accomplishing that. So avoiding probate should be a factor in your estate plan, but it shouldn't be the only factor or even the most important factor. But while we're on the subject, let's focus on that, how property gets transferred, especially upon death. When they think about an estate plan, most clients start with a last will and testament. That's a natural place to start. The will is often thought of as the cornerstone of an estate plan. But as we'll see in the next few minutes, the will is actually the last thing that might operate at someone's death. There really are four classes of property or four buckets to keep in mind. The first bucket is assets that are in your name, but they have a beneficiary designation or a payable on death designation. Common examples of this might be a life insurance policy or a retirement account like a 401k. When those accounts are opened, there's a form, or these days maybe a computer screen, with a blank. And on that blank, you designate who's going to receive that property upon your death. And then upon your death, the transfer is actually quite simple. The beneficiary would contact the company or the financial institution, like the life insurance company. Then the company would send them some paperwork uh, and then the company essentially sends them a check or opens an account in their name. It really can be that simple. And notice as I've talked about this first bucket, I haven't mentioned probate and I haven't mentioned an executor or a trustee. Typically those individuals just aren't involved at all. Another bucket of assets similar to the first is assets that are owned by you, but they might have another owner, a joint owner with rights of survivorship. A common example of that is a home Many couples own their home in this way. The deed reflects joint ownership. And this provides that upon one owner's death, the deceased's owner's share just goes away by operation of law. The other owner becomes the owner automatically. In some cases, and especially in real estate, it might be uh, helpful or necessary to make some simple filings with the court. But otherwise, again, this transfer happens very simply at one person's death. And again, I haven't mentioned probate or an executor or a trustee. So what's the problem with these first two buckets? Well, it's important to remember that those two speak first. So if you name some of, someone as a beneficiary or if someone is your joint owner with right of survivorship, it doesn't matter what your will says. The account passes to that person, period. So these methods of transferring property are simple, but they're really simple to a fault. A client might have a very complex estate plan with specific individuals listed in their will. But the problem is that if their life insurance policy or, their, or other assets pass according to a beneficiary designation, the will doesn't even get a chance to speak. So when the client updates their will, they might forget about those other designations 
and then their assets pass not under how they would intend in their overall estate plan, but rather to those specific individuals. Again, that might be simple, but simple to a fault. So back to the overall estate plan. The third class of property are assets that might be held in the name of a trust. A common example of that is a revocable trust or a living trust. Many clients already own some of their property in the name of that trust, and it's a common way to avoid probate. Upon that person's death, the trust doesn't die. A new trustee just takes over, and the new trustee administers the trust assets under the terms of the trust agreement. So again, there's no probate involved. So now we're left with the fourth class of property. This is everything else. This is property that doesn't fit into any of those other categories. That's property that's held in an individual's name without a beneficiary designation, without a joint owner. A common example of this might be a checking account or a car. So the problem is with this class of property, unlike the other three buckets, is that upon the owner's death, it's not really clear who owns the asset next. So our laws provide a system to tell us who is that next owner. This is a process that is supervised by local law and by the court, and this is the process called probate. The assets are gathered into that person's estate, and the person who manages the estate is called the personal representative, sometimes called an executor. That executor distributes the assets based on directions that the person left in a last will and testament, or if they died without a will, then based on default rules of how property passes upon a person's death, and that's called intestacy. So again, the will isn't the most efficient way to pass assets upon death. Instead, you might think of it as a backstop that gathers together any assets that are not in any of the other three buckets. So where does that leave us? Well, for many clients, they simplify administration at death by owning their property in their revocable trust or by naming the revocable trust as beneficiary. That way, upon death, the assets are all gathered into one pot, the revocable trust, while still avoiding probate. Of course, there's nothing wrong with relying on beneficiary designations and joint ownership to pass assets. That can be very simple, but it's important to remember where those assets are supposed to go under the overall estate plan. And it's especially important to update those designations and ownership as your estate plan changes. So again, this just helps us understand how the assets pass at death. Some clients get so focused on the how of avoiding probate, avoiding any formal steps, that they forget to focus on the more important question, where those assets go, and to whom, and in what amounts, and outright, or in trust. And that, as we know, is the subject of my other podcasts. Before we close, here's one takeaway. Here at Once Removed, we'd like to end each podcast with one action item. We've spoken before about the importance of keeping good records, including a good list of your assets. I personally like to use an Excel spreadsheet. But given how important it is to determine titling and beneficiary designations upon death, we should add a few columns to that. So there should be a column to that account or asset that lists the owner. You could list individual or joint or revocable trust. And you should add another column of where that item goes upon your death. And then the third column, well, that would be the last time you checked. Because as I mentioned a few minutes ago, you should review all these as part of your estate plan. I'm Steve Murphy, and this has been Once Removed, a podcast on thoughtful estate planning.